Yesterday, Joe Biden made a major announcement that should have roiled world markets when he casually told the world that he has cancer. My mother drove us, and rather than us be able to walk. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening. You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time, Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. Now, the Republican National Committee immediately picked up this statement and raised the question, hold on, does Biden have cancer? Which prompted the libs immediately to go into damage control mode. Glenn Kessler, who is the lead fact checker for the Washington Post, responded by asking, quote, how dumb is this tweet from the RNC? Check out Biden's medical report. Before he became president, he'd had non-melanoma skin cancers removed. Has no one at the RNC ever had this common procedure? Gosh, this is crazy. But no matter how much spin the Washington Post fact checker spun, he couldn't change what Biden said. Biden didn't say, I had cancer. I had cancer in the past. He said, I have cancer, present tense. And the craziest part of all of it is not that Biden said that, not the announcement. It's not that the liberal fact checker was dishonest. His job is to check the facts, and but he was totally dishonest. The craziest part is that no one really seemed to care. The president of the United States announced that he currently has cancer and no one took it seriously because we all know that he has dementia. We all just sort of waited for the White House staffers who are actually running the country once again to contradict the president, which they did a few hours later, at which point the corrupt media memory holds the president's comments and went right back to their regularly scheduled program. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Allison B., who says Michael Knowles' entire response to the GOP cowardice in the House is such a dad response. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's how I feel. That's how I feel, congressman. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. You know what never disappoints me? Good ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. In Ronald Reagan's farewell address, what did he say? He said, all great change in America begins around the dinner table. We'll bring your family to the dinner table with Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers cares deeply about providing families with high quality meat at a reasonable price. When I was a kid, having steak was a special occasion kind of a thing. It was kind of a rarity. Good Ranchers makes that possible all the time. You can have steak multiple times per week. The quality is incredible. It's 100% American meat, born, raised, and harvested in the U.S. right to your door. They age every cut to perfection, gives you that true steakhouse experience right at home. And then, this is really crazy, when you subscribe your price is locked in for the life of your subscription. We've got crazy inflation all over the place today. You can lock in the price of your meat right now. We're talking ribeyes, T-bones, Wagyu burgers. They're just, it's so great. I eat, I eat Good Ranchers multiple times per week, and I absolutely adore it. Right now, use my code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get your steakhouse experience for 30 bucks off, plus free shipping on your order. By the way, shipping is not cheap. We're talking about a lot of very top quality meat here. So take advantage of this incredible offer. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Start bringing people back to the table and eating seriously delicious 
food. If you already bought from Good Ranchers, show me what you are making. Post a photo of your meal. Tag me as well as our friends over at Good Ranchers so they can see it too. The announcement was crazy from Biden. The media response was pathetic, although expected. The people who were supposed to be reporting the facts and speaking truth to power just immediately tried to flack for this guy and lie and deceive the American people. That's, that was unfortunate. The, the whole bit about what, the windshield wipers and the oil slicks on his windshield. And I mean, it's just, it's very sad. But if you've ever had relatives who have suffered from dementia, you know, this is just what they sound like. And so you just say, oh yeah, what, wow, what did the oil slicks sound like? Aunt Sally, great Aunt Sally were the, oh gosh, that's really interesting. No, you haven't told me about the oil slicks. Tell me about that. The media aspect though is, is really frustrating. Because we in America pride ourselves on our free press. We have a free press, unlike those oppressive countries. You know those really bad countries where they have state-controlled media? Well, we have a totally free press. That's at least what our press tells us. And yet I watch the news, and, and I have to tell you, sometimes I wonder if we wouldn't have a more honest media if we were living in North Korea. I watched this clip yesterday from KOB4, so it's one of these local news affiliates, a local news affiliate in New Mexico, running a segment, a news segment, on how you're supposed to completely change all your language to deny reality. Let's talk about DEI in the workplace, and that's better known as diversity, equity, and inclusion. How do we go about the discussion of pronouns? So essentially, the employee will reach out and say, hey, this is my preferred pronoun. This is how I would like to be addressed. In the workplace, how we go about it is by respecting their request, right? So you want to make sure when they say, this is what I would like to be referred to, um, we address it and we, we honor that. And we, uh, moving forward, use that term, whether it's he, she, they, them, their, whatever mm -hmm. they would like to use. We want to make sure we honor that request and make them feel comfortable in the workplace. Is it appropriate for someone to ask what someone's preferred pronoun usages are? You probably wouldn't want to ask. That person would ask you. Okay. So, you know, if you, um, if they haven't fully made the decision on what pronoun they would like to use, let them come around to that decision and then ask. Um, if they haven't asked yet, it's not safe to assume. We don't want to make any assumptions. We don't want to make any assumptions. That's great. Let's talk a little bit more about all of the language that people should use. And if they don't use that language, how they'll, they're very bad people and they'll be fired and how we need to deny reality and call men women and women men. I would find the media more credible if they were talking about how Kim Il-sung is the eternal leader of North Korea and is still alive governing his people from the heavens. That would, that is at least as fantastical or at least as realistic as what you're seeing here from the New Mexico news station. In fact, in many ways, the state controlled media in North Korea and China and Russia and wherever, all of the, all of these terrible places on earth, in, in some ways they're more honest because at least, you know, okay, this is state run media. So take it with a grain of salt. In America, it's, it's in many ways worse because they pretend to be a free press and yet they push this kind of madness, this kind of corporate establishment, absurd, dishonest madness. That is propaganda. You have to see it. The reason I, I harp on this, I don't know, probably once a week we do at least some segment on just 
outright dishonesty in the media is you, you've, you've got to puncture it. You've got to, once you see through that, it, it becomes a lot easier to deal with the media because you just know when you get a story from the New York Times or you get a story from the Associated Press or you see a story trending on Twitter and it's from one of the special verified credible sources from Facebook or Twitter, you just know how to read it and you know what to discount and you know what the angle is going to be and you can know, oh, if he says this, it actually means the opposite. And oh, Glenn Kessler said it, well, then it definitely means the opposite. And oh, they're talking about COVID. So here's where they're going to be lying. And here's where they're getting their money. And you just know where the powers are. You want to talk about COVID. This is the this is the craziest COVID story I have read in at least four days. This story, it comes, I have to be very careful about how I speak about this. Because if I, if I say the wrong word, it's kind of like in that DEI segment of New Mexico. If I use the wrong pronoun, if I use the wrong word, I will be censored. This show will be shut down off of social media and I want to hit my million subscribers on YouTube. So I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to use the language here in the AP fact check. Here is the claim. A Swedish study shows that Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine changes recipients' DNA. That's a claim. And the AP says this is totally false. Okay, so what does the, what does the study do? It says AP's assessment, false. Well, what's true? There was the study out of Sweden on the mRNA COVID vaccine, on the effect that the mRNA COVID vaccine has on DNA, now I'm just quoting directly from the AP. You can't take me down, censors. The study tested whether the vaccine's mRNA could be converted to DNA and found that this was the case. So yes, it, 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 it does change the DNA that they, you just said. Claim, it changes the DNA. Assessment, false. What does it get right? It does change the DNA. Uh, but here's why they say it's false. They say it changed the DNA in certain lab-altered liver cell lines under experimental conditions. It did not assess whether the vaccine alters the human genome outside of laboratory conditions. So, the, so, so I can't even get through it. I can't. The study is, is checking, do, do the mRNA vaccines affect DNA? And the answer is yes, but we're going to rate it false because it only did so in a study. Listen, the study only showed that it did a thing in a study. And because the study didn't show that it does something outside a study, it's false. 27 Pinocchios. Keep your eyes on this one. This is going to be a really important one because you know the difference between truth and a conspiracy theory is uh, six to nine months these days. Starts out as a conspiracy theory. Six months later, it's the gospel truth. And I think that timeline is actually speeding up a little bit. What else did they find? I'm just reading from the AP. During the study, the researchers were able to detect DNA that had been converted from the vaccine's mRNA in the lab-modified cell. Still, the Swedish study only demonstrated that RNA had converted to DNA under particular conditions created in a lab, not in a human body. What the hell do you think you're going to find? You're doing a laboratory study. Of course, you're only going to conclude things from the laboratory study. Well, listen, and because the study didn't prove something that the study didn't study, this is 10,000 Pinocchios. If such DNA had been incorporated into the genome, as suggested in the false claims, the fear is that it could potentially alter cell function or lead to cancer in certain cases, but that wasn't observed in the study. Hold on. This is how, this is how they manage to be so dishonest and lie about what they've found. Because they're saying, look, the only reason anyone cares about this is because maybe it could cause cancer, but we didn't find that it causes cancer. No, hold on. That's not the... That's not the only reason I'm worried about this. I'm worried about the mRNA vaccines altering human DNA. 
because I don't want it to alter human DNA and because all the people who pushed these shots told us that it couldn't possibly alter the DNA. And now you've got a study here showing that under certain laboratory conditions and certain cell lines, it actually did alter the DNA, but never mind, nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Just like the libs who pushed the shots told us that there is no way, it's scientifically impossible, defies science, that these vaccines could possibly affect women's menstruation. Okay, they affect women's menstruation a little bit. Okay, 42% of women are experiencing changes in their menstruation after the shots. And okay, actually, the changes are lasting in many cases longer than a week, which is the period of time that you, you observe these things to figure out the side effects of vaccines. Okay, well, never mind. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Trust the science unless it's a Swedish study on the mRNA effect on DNA. When this gets you riled up, you start sweating a little bit, you're not, you got to put on your Mizzen and Main clothing. Right now, go to MizzenandMain.com, use promo code Knowles. Are you ready to take a vacation? Might be your first vacation in a couple of years. Are you ready to go hit the links where you've got to put on Mizzen and Main? What makes Mizzen and Main unique is they combine the comfort and flexibility of your favorite athletic wear with the fit and style of a custom dress shirt. Plus, their dress shirts are machine washable, so you don't need to be going to the dry cleaner all the time and wasting a ton of money and time. On a hot day in the middle of the country here in Nashville, Tennessee, in Washington, D.C., you, you put on that Mizzen and Main, you feel great. It was actually the Mizzen and Main founder. He was hanging around Washington, D.C., worked up a sweat running up the hill in his wrinkled dress shirt. He said, there's got to be a better way. He invented a better way. I love this stuff. You know, I'm very particular about my style. Mizzen and Main has a very smart style. It looks great. I love their polo shirts, especially as well. Whether you're working from the golf course or finally taking advantage of your unlimited vacation policy, we got great news. Right now, if you go to MizzenandMain.com, use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, you will receive $35 off any regular price order of $125 or more. $35 off when you go to Mizzen and Main, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Use promo code Knowles. The media want us to hear something different from Joe Biden than what Joe Biden said. They want to rewrite what the president said. They want to rewrite the studies about the COVID vaccines. And they really want us to eat bugs. This is one of the big propaganda pushes from the establishment, from the libs, from the World Economic Forum, from Hollywood celebrities, from liberal politicians, and from the establishment media. For whatever reason, they really, really want you to eat bugs. The future of food is being revolutionized by science. As new research helps bring unexpected ingredients to the table. It kind of tastes like shrimp. They have this seafood quality to them. It reminds you of like a Frito or a chip. Just like crunchy and a little oily and a little salty. And they taste like popcorn. A very smushy taste, like a pudding almost. Like a pudding if pudding were a disgusting bug. It, oh, hey, it tastes like a Frito if a Frito were a gross, disgusting, dirty, filthy bug that you're not supposed to eat. Why are they doing this? Well, they're, they're doing this, and they tell you why they're doing this. They, they're doing this because of global warming. Global warming is really bad, and people keep having babies, especially all those dirty, poor, brown people in the foreign countries where we've tried. We've tried our best 
to stop them from having children. We've tried to sterilize them. We've tried to give them contraception. We've tried to promote abortion in their countries. But unfortunately, their population problem keeps growing, so says Bill Gates, so says the uh, liberal establishment around the world. Darn, these guys keep having... So this is going to be a big issue. We've got to get all the poor people to eat bugs. Do you think, do you really think that um, Bill Gates is going to be eating bugs? I don't think so. Do you think that Klaus Schwab and his friends at, in Davos at the World Economic Forum, do you think they're going to sit down to a nice big bowl of bug porridge? I don't think so. Do you think the characters, the world leaders who made it down to Jeffrey Epstein's island and had nice, nice fun bacchanals down there, do you think they were eating bugs? No. They were doing lots of creepy things, but eating bugs was not one of them. No, the bugs are not for them. The bugs are for you. Just like when the liberal elite says that people need to, they need to stop living in these single family homes. That's why they're going to change the zoning in San Francisco. That's why they're changing the zoning in lots of cities. It's just not, it's not efficient. It's not good for the environment. You're going to have to now live in a duplex or a quadruplex or a big apartment building, and you're going to have to live in a tiny little apartment, and that's just important for the environment. Uh, They're not going to live in tiny little apartments. That's just for all of us. That's for all all the rest of us. Listen, you're going to need to, you shouldn't be flying on airplanes as much. You shouldn't be driving as much. Gas is going to, the price of gas really needs to go up. Not only is it going up because of the mismanagement of the world by people like Joe Biden and the rest of them, they, they want it to go up. Barack Obama, when he was running for president in 2008, he said, my climate plan will involve raising the price of gas. That is intentional. You have to do that to force people to get electric cars or to stop driving entirely and take a bicycle or take public transportation, take a bus, take a train. You have to do that. Do you think that the elite are doing that? Do you think the elite are eating bugs in their studio apartment that they're paying out the nose for that they don't own, they're just renting, and then they're getting on the subway? Is that what they're doing? No, of course not. They're eating filet mignon in their gigantic mansions while they fly on private jets for very, very short flights flying all over the world. It's you. You're the one that needs to cut back. I'm not going to eat the bugs. I'm going to make you a promise right now. I will never eat the bugs. Ever. Oh, they're a good source of protein? Don't care. Oh, no, the cows are releasing methane? Okay, I don't care. I don't care at all. I am going to eat the steak. I'm going to eat good ranchers in particular, but I'm going to eat all sorts of meat. I'm not going to eat the bugs. But what's the rationalist reason, Michael? It's good protein. Well, because when I eat, I'm not just, I'm not just a machine taking in protein so that I can continue to function. I'm not just some animal sticking my face in a feed sack so that I can chow down on the gruel and go back and work at the widget factory. I'm a human being. You are a human being. We live, at least at the moment, in civilization. And it is very, very uncivilized to eat the bugs. And more broadly, it's uncivilized to just view food, to view dining. It's such a central human activity as just a way to get calories in there so you can go back and work. Work for whom? Work for the elite that are not eating the bugs. We need to suffer so the elite can thrive. We need to cut back and pull back and stop doing and just just shut up and stay home so the elete can thrive. This is what Pete Buttigieg 
who was in fact, you want to talk about man as machine. This guy was in fact constructed in a laboratory at Langley. I'm convinced of that. No one can convince me otherwise. I think it was when George H.W. Bush was the CIA director. He under, he, he initiated a very important project. It was the build a Buttigieg project and they got all the screws right. And they finally, and then he, he just one day, like Frankenstein's monster, he got up, he was animated. He said, hi, hi there. Hey guys. Hey, what? It's, isn't it really good that gas prices are really high? Isn't it? It's really good. So, because then we can all drive Teslas, and uh, then that'll, that'll just be great, won't it? So Pete Buttigieg shows up. He's in uh, congressional testimony, and Buttigieg uh, says, "This is really great that there. Yeah, there's a little bit more pain on the gas prices, but now people can buy electric cars." The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. <laughs> And who, I can't believe he said it. He, he just said, I hadn't even listened to the clip that closely last night when I first came across it. He just said exactly what I said. He just said the quiet part out loud. What did I just say? I just said, all the people have to suffer so the elite can thrive. And he actually said <laughs> on C-SPAN cameras, well, yeah, yeah, you, all the poor, all the little people need to have pain at the gas tank so that it's a benefit. The pain of the people at the gas tank is a benefit for those of us who have Teslas. Who has electric cars? Rich people. (laughs) Wealthy people have Teslas. Normal people don't have Teslas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really great. And Pete is astonished that anyone would object to this. I'm still astonished that, that some folks, uh, and, and uh, I felt this, I uh, was testifying in Congress yesterday, uh, some folks seem to really uh, struggle to let go of the status quo. Uh, yes, Pete, we do. Some do. I think they got to send him back to Langley and fix a couple bugs because he's malfunctioning a little bit. He's, he's almost human. It's that kind of uncanny valley. He's almost human, but he's not quite there yet. I'm astonished that some people don't want to let go of the status quo. What he's saying is, I'm astonished that there are people who are in any way conservative. I'm astonished that people like their country, like their community, like their way of life, like their car, like their society, like their money, like their property, like their family, like, well, I'm just astonished. Maybe Pete Buttigieg doesn't like our country. Maybe Pete Buttigieg doesn't like our way of life. I do. I do. I don't want to change everything. I don't want to completely upend and change everything. I don't want to live in a pod. I don't want to eat the bugs. I don't want to consume a bunch of cheap Chinese crap. I don't want to lose my political rights. I don't want to upend every single institution. I don't want to change the meaning of man and woman. I don't want to change all my language like the American version of North Korean state TV told me to do. I don't want, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. And I don't want you to make me do that, Pete Buttigieg or Klaus Schwab or Dr. Fauci or any of these freaking government technocrats who who have a much higher opinion of themselves than we have of them. I don't want to do any of that. I want these people to fail. I want Pete Buttigieg to fail in his job. I want Joe Biden to fail. That I think that one seems to be a little bit easier. I don't want there to be any sort of great reset. I don't want them to change the way that we eat and live and interact with each other and even view ourselves in our own human nature. I want these people to lose. I want to win. And I do think, though they have a ton of institutional power, I think the political wins, the 
the understanding of those ordinary people that they want to force to eat all the bugs, I think those winds are moving entirely in our direction. And then one day we're going to die. That's why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. Here is a fun fact. Did you know 100% of people will die? The 100% of people who jump out of airplanes will die. 100% of people who walk around the sidewalk will die. You're going to die, okay? No one here gets out alive. That's why you need a will. That's why you need a will. You do. I actually only just recently finalized my will. People here at The Daily Wire finally are putting their wills together. And that is thanks to Epic Will. A will is not just about you. It's not really about you at all. It's about your loved ones. It's about your family. It's about your kids. It's about your stuff. It's about what happens to you and who's going to have to make the decisions about what happens to you someday down the road. Make those decisions now so that your loved ones don't have to face them later. Go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. Epic Will can set you up with a will in as little as five minutes, which is unbelievable. It is super easy. Very, very well worth the 119 bucks that it costs to secure your family's future. It's an amazing price. Without a will, you might as well wrap up all your money and your assets and your kids and hand them over to the state, which doesn't care about you very much. No matter where you are in life, you need to have a will. Go to epicwill.com. Use code Knowles today. On yesterday's show, we talked about how 47 House Republicans caved to left-wing pressure on Tuesday night to, for no reason whatsoever, other than to give Democrats a nice campaign slogan, a nice little campaign clip, decided to buy the, the new redefinition of marriage. Some of these squishes were very, were very well known. The truth is we can expect it from those squishes. However, I think all of us were a bit surprised by just how formless some of our elected officials really are, even the ones we expected more from. If you would like to let your representatives know that you had not planned on electing the Pillsbury Doughboy, now is your chance because the Don't Squish t-shirt is here. Let your legislators know you are watching them fold like a wet paper bag and be trampled on, and you don't like that very much. Head on over to my store at dailywire.com shop today and... Most important of all, don't squish. Also, don't forget, this month's episode of Ben Shapiro's Book Club is tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. You will meet up with Ben in Israel as he explores Leon Uris's historical novel and international bestseller, Exodus, set amidst the Jewish people's displacement from a hostile post-war Europe. Exodus is the story of an American nurse, an Israeli freedom fighter, and the rebirth of a nation that had been dispersed for 2,000 years. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. Normal people are pushing back against the Buttigieg's of the world and the radicals. And Joe Biden, who is a vessel for the radicals, even though he doesn't know which end is up. Uh, two sources have just told CNN that Joe Manchin, the moderate Democrat who is standing athwart the libs and yelling stop, Joe Manchin will, quote, unequivocally refuse to support Democrat legislation related to the sun monster and tax increases in an economic package. So Joe Biden has been pushing build back better, as he calls it, the GOP calls it build back broke, his his big spend-a-palooza policy. And Manchin said, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it, one, because my constituents don't want me to do it. 
and two, because it's a terrible package. So he says no. Months and months of negotiations with Chuck Schumer, and Manchin says, nope, sorry, not going to do it. This is great news. It's great news that you got one or two semi-normal Democrats, people who are willing to buck their party, either because of their moral conscience or perhaps because they know that their own constituents don't want it. Either way, I'll take what I can get. That's really good news because the Biden economic policy is a scam. It's not going to help the economy. Just, just look at how Biden's managed the economy for the last 18 months. This guy took what was a very, very strong economy under Trump. He took a great opportunity, which is that the, the government voluntarily shut down the economy for COVID. And so when they reopened the economy, it should have exploded. It should have been so amazing, but because of Biden's stupid policies, especially, especially on energy, but, but in other areas as well, because of Biden's stupid policies, it hasn't worked. So do you think that spending trillions more dollars, do you think that's going to make things better? Do you think Joe Biden, if you give him more power over the economy, you think that's going to work? I don't think so. It's a scam. Speaking of financial scams, a little bit of a shift here. There was a story yesterday in Vice magazine about a really oppressed, marginalized class of people that are apparently being scammed. And that class would be psychics, and tarot readers, and quote, intuitive workers. And apparently, according to Vice, psychics and tarot readers and intuitive workers are under siege by Instagram scammers. Scammers are going after the psychics and the tarot card readers. Now, my first thought was, if they're really psychics and intuitive workers, shouldn't they be able to identify the scammers? <laughs> shouldn't, uh, shouldn't that be like the one thing that they are capable of doing? So when someone tries to scam them, they say, I've got my crystal ball and no, I'm not going to give you my money. <laughs> so now the second one, and this is what a lot of people suggested. They said, Michael, you're missing the point. The psychics and the tarot card readers are scammers, which is, is true, I'm sure, in the vast majority of cases. It's definitely true in the vast majority of cases. But this is one of my more, I guess, more controversial opinions. I think some of that stuff is real. Psychics and the astrology and the occult. I think that stuff is real. You know, in the Bible, the Bible says, don't do any of that stuff. Don't consult astrologers. Don't get involved in the occult or with psychics or anything. And I don't think the Bible says don't do that stuff because it's all just fake and a waste of time. I assume the, the reason that the Bible says don't, don't do that stuff is because it's real and bad and compromises your free will and it's evil and you shouldn't do it. That's why. I, that's what I think. That's why. And in fact, this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but it's a weird personal story. A psychic played a, an unwitting but somewhat significant role in my reversion to Christianity because I was, I was a kind of atheist, agnostic type. And I was coming out of it right at the end of college. It was in New York a little bit. And I was just kind of coming out of it. And anyway, one day I was on a film set and I met this uh, Italian gal and we were chatting and we were talking about Italy and this, that, and the other thing. And somehow Dante came up and she said, oh, you know, I actually haven't read Dante too much. And I said, oh gosh, I love Dante. And he's from this town. And we went here and we were just, we had this whole long conversation about Dante. You know how much I love Dante. And she, though she's Italian, hadn't really known much about him. So anyway, we leave the film set. Weeks and weeks go by. I, I then run into her 
in, in an office building in New York. I say, oh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. She, she looks at me. She goes, Michael, oh, I'm so glad I saw you. You're not going to believe this. I, so after we saw each other on that film set, I went to my psychic. I said, okay, psychic. All right. Well, whatever. You know, it's New York. Okay. She goes, I went to my psychic. And the first thing the psychic asks me is, who's Dante? And I got such a chick. Cause I said, well, hold on. This is the first time you went there. No, she had gone to the psychic many times. Oh, well, had you, maybe you had expressed an interest in Dante, but I knew she hadn't expressed an interest in Dante. That's why we were talking about it. She didn't really know. And the, the psychic just said, who's Dante? And that really spooked me in the way that C.S. Lewis describes the difference between what's, what is scary, what is uncanny, and what is numinous. And he says, you know, scary is if you're told there's a tiger in the other room. And you say, that's scary because the tiger could eat me. And the uncanny is when someone says there's a ghost in the other room. It's not that you're afraid of what the ghost is going to do to you. It's that you're afraid that there are ghosts. And then the numinous is the highest level of that which is a, a you know, real religious feeling, the idea of the sublime, the idea that God exists, that there is a providence to everything. All a long way of saying, I, I do think that sometimes psychics and, and occult people, I think sometimes they are real. You see this in the Bible too, even. When, when Saul goes to the witch of Endor, Saul says, no, no one, talk, no one talks to the witches anymore, but then he himself goes to this witch of Endor and he says, uh, summon Samuel for me. And uh, so she goes, and then she's shocked. She says, you lied to me. You said, you're Saul. Oh my gosh. And she's shocked. And there, there are different ways to read this passage. But one of the ways to read it that I've heard suggested is that the witch actually was kind of a scam artist. And the reason she was so shocked is, oh my gosh, we actually summoned a ghost. Oh man, that's super creepy. What, what's there a ghost doing here? Oh man, you're really Saul. So all of that to say, don't take this stuff lightly, folks. We all, we all make fun of this. There is more between heaven and earth that is dreamt of in our philosophy, Horatio. And the weird cult obsessions, occult behavior, is on the rise. You want to talk about cults? There was a video, just went viral, of a young uh, female slam poetess. And this slam poetess made a point that I, I bet a lot of people, down she was in Union Square, New York, a lot of, a lot of libs believe, which is she said, my God, is a queer God. My God is a queer God, is a queer space, is a safer space, is in allyship with the universe because my God is self-reflexive and knows that it is not always a safe space for everyone at every moment. And it may be an ally to one entity and a trigger to another. So my God is working in solidarity with everything all at once and that capacity doesn't fit inside a bodied box. My God is outside the outside of a timeless clock. My God is indefatigable. My God is intersectional. My God is awake and alert and stays woke because it once created the universe and it still encompasses the earth. And even language is transgressive. And even language doesn't properly contain substance because there is no way to concretize linguistic labeling with justice. So my God is transcending and transubstantiating justice. My God is nameless. Thou shalt not speak my God's name and speak my God's name in vain to be anything other than other without any name because my God is a holy, 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 intangible amorphous entity of endless possibility my god is a queer god and my god is eternity thank you my god is a buzzword 
My God is synergy. My God is he, she, they, them, folks, ally. It's just this whole series of buzzwords reminds me of what Harold Bloom, the late great literary critic said about slam poetry, which is not just that it's bad, but it is in fact the death of art. (laughs) And, and that it is judged by a bunch of clapping seals in the audience of some late night comedy club. Though it is not comedy, it's not poetry, it's not comedy, it's just, it is the death of art. But if you listen past the, the kind of sad performance, if you can get past laughing at this person and this really awful work of pseudo art, you hear something that is significant and actually tells you about the way the, something about the way the left views the world. The first part of that slam poem, the poetess says, my God, my God is a queer God. My God is all these buzzwords. My God has no body. My God is, doesn't fit inside a body. That is a rejection of Christianity. That's a rejection of Jesus because according to Christianity, according to the religion that animates our entire civilization, God becomes incarnate. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, becomes incarnate, takes on flesh and blood, becomes man. This is the most solemn moment of the creed, of the creed at the, at the mass and in traditional church services. You, you recite what you believe, credo in unum deum. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You go down, and then when it gets to the middle, they say, uh, I, I believe that God was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and became man, et incarnatus est, et, et, homo, et homo factus est, in the Latin. And you kneel down, and you take this as, you, oh my goodness gracious, God becomes a man. This poetess says, nope, my God doesn't have a body. And then she doubles down on it at the end of the poem. She says, my God is totally transcendent. My God doesn't have a name. The God of the Bible has a name. The God of the Bible has a name, which is in the, actually multiple names, but in some cases, the, there's the unutterable name, Yahweh. There is, a, when Moses says, who are you? God says to him and through in the burning bush, I am who I am. And then, of course, God has a name in Jesus. And she says, nope, my God doesn't have a name. It's a rejection of Christianity. Whatever God this woman is worshiping, whatever demon this w- woman is worshiping, it is not Christianity. But it's not nothing either. She's not saying, I don't believe in God. I don't worship anything. I don't have any beliefs. Because you can't not have beliefs. You can't be neutral. Everybody's got to serve somebody, as that great theologian Bob Dylan said. So she's saying, no, I have a God. I just worship a false God. (laughs) I have a God, which is an idol. (laughs) I have a God, and it's, in this case, depending on what she means by queerness, it's either my God is sex, or my God is myself, or my God is some leftist ideology. Whatever it is, it's a false God. And whatever it is, it is an object of worship. Whatever it is, you can't remain neutral. This is a point that Kamala Harris didn't seem to appreciate. She made this claim the other day that regardless of your beliefs, regardless of your faith, the issue of abortion has nothing to do with it. We must also take steps to protect other fundamental freedoms, including the freedom for a woman to make decisions about her own body. And you know, on this subject, it's important to note that 
to support a woman's ability, not her government, but her, to make that decision does not require anyone to abandon their faith or their beliefs. It just requires us to agree the government shouldn't be making that decision for her. Oh, is that what you believe, Kamala? Listen, you don't need to abandon your beliefs. You just need to believe this thing that I'm telling you to believe, which is that the government has no right and should not uh, tell a woman not to kill her kid. Kamala, what if what I believe, what if my religion tells me that actually the woman can't kill her kid? It's wrong and the government needs to step in and stop her from killing her kid. What if that's my belief? Then the belief that you're su suggesting does require me to abandon my belief. And I'm not speaking hypothetically here either, because that, that is a part of my religion, which is called Christianity. And that belief is not some new idea that just popped up in the last 50 years. That idea that abortion is always wrong goes back to the very earliest days of Christianity. The oldest documents we have about Christianity and from Christianity tell us that. Going back to the Didache, the first code, the first kind of catechism, going back to the second century at least, say abortion's wrong. But she's, she says, no, 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 that doesn't matter with your beliefs. Just, you, you just have to at a baseline believe all my beliefs. And then in so much as your beliefs fit in with my beliefs, you're allowed to hold them. The libs believe that their beliefs are totally neutral. This is the secret. This is the secret that has allowed, I talked about this a little bit in my book, Speechless, last year. This is one of the secrets that has allowed the libs to conquer the culture. Is we had a culture in America where you might call it public Christianity. It was not a theocracy. It was not a heavy-handed integralist government or something like that. But it was broadly a, a public Christian culture. Christianity was what informed the way that we viewed public and political life. And then during the 20th century, that was replaced with public liberalism, with public secularism. And that became the dominant ideology. And liberalism and secularism, they ain't neutral. There's nothing neutral about, there's nothing neutral about killing babies. There's nothing neutral about transing the kids. Far from any, there, there's nothing neutral about, about kind of any public regime that you want to live under. But the libs managed to persuade not only the left side of the aisle, but even many conservatives that liberalism is neutral, that secularism is neutral, that atheism is neutral. It's not. It's ahistorical. It has nothing to do with the actual foundations of our country. Far from it. The actual foundations of our country, very, very Christian. But furthermore, just as a philosophical matter, it can't, it can't be neutral. There is no neutrality. Your every society is going to have some sense of what's good and bad and right and wrong and true and false. And you've got to come to those conclusions. And everybody's got to serve somebody. And if you don't think if you don't think that you're coming to those kind of conclusions and making those statements, then you're at the greatest danger of all because then you're just being swept away by ideology unknowingly. Speaking of belief and public health, experts are warning Americans that the United States is not prepared to fight monkeypox. Forget about COVID. That was yesterday's news. Now we're talking about monkeypox and the U.S. is not prepared now, there are not a lot of cases of monkeypox in the U.S. It's not spreading, certainly not spreading like COVID. The total number of confirmed monkeypox cases in the U.S. Now, what, 
couple of months after they first announced it or more, is, is under 2,000. In the whole country, it's a country of 330 million people. It's less than, fewer than 2,000 cases. Still, the experts, here's David Harvey, who's the executive director of the National Coalition of STD Directors. He says, America does not have what it needs to adequately and totally fight monkeypox. We are already stretched to capacity. I think we have exactly what we need to fight monkeypox. Here is my, I have a radical suggestion. I know we're going to get a big CDC label, fake news, medical misinformation. I'm going to say it anyway. This is my own theory, my own medical theory. What if people just stopped having orgies? What now? And if we're going to be really specific about it, it's really gay orgies. It's the, the monkeypox spreads at bathhouses and gay. But let's, you know what though? Let's be a little more inclusive here. Let's be a little more open. Let's, how about, what if we just stop all the orgies? I think that would probably be good, even if the monkeypox threat is not, it's not as great for, also, aren't all orgies a little bit gay? It just occurs to me now as I'm thinking about it, because there's only, there's only two sexes, and an orgy, by definition, involves more than two people, so somewhere along the line, anyway, regardless, that's a thought for another time. What if we just cut out the orgies? You're not allowed to say that. No, it's much more important for us to what? To some extent, lock down, to, to uh, buy a ton of vaccines that aren't even for monkeypox. They're going to try to treat monkeypox with the vaccines for smallpox, which has been eradicated for a very long time. Uh, we're going to what? Are we going to have to mask up again? Are we going to have, we're going to have to have major public health campaigns. What if we just say, hey, stop having orgies. Don't go to a bathhouse. Don't go to a, I think one of them spread at some fetish conference in Belgium or something. What if we just say none of, no more of those, stop doing that, then we won't have monkeypox. You're not allowed to say that because it is an aspect of the liberal creed. It is central to the the liberal public liturgy that we have orgies, that we all just are able to screw whoever we want whenever we want to do it, no matter the risk, no matter the conditions, no matter the time of day. Okay, well, that's, uh, call me an authoritarian. Call me a fascist, knuckle-dragging monster. I just think maybe we should discourage orgies. That's, that's my view. Speaking of irresponsible behavior, David Hogg. You remember David Hogg? You might not remember David Hogg. He was the kid who was at the school where there was a shooting in Florida. And I don't even, I don't think he was even particularly close to the shooting itself, but he managed to be one of the first kids to race to get on television afterward. And he's made something of a career out of that. He managed to get into Harvard strictly on the celebrity that he got out of, uh, out of this uh, tragedy. And so David Hogg, he's been out of the news for a while. He's not really such a cute kid anymore. He's gotten a little bit older. And so now to try to get some of that celebrity back, he interrupted the House Judiciary hearing to yell and scream about guns. The shooter in my high school anti-Semitic, anti-black, and racist. The shooter in El Paso described it as an invasion. Guess what? Those guns are coming from the United States of America. They are coming from Mexico. They are not coming from Mexico. You are reiterating the points of a mass shooter, sir. Sir, you are perpetuating this violence. You need to realize this is not house. A Democrat or Republican, stop these things now. It's sad when the footlights start to fade, isn't it? It's kind of sad for people when the celebrity starts to go away and people stop caring. You could even tell there 
when David's yelling and yelling. He's speaking like he's at a political rally, but no one was supporting him. Even his own guys weren't supporting him. So he was waiting. He gets to that point. So these guns are coming from the United States. And he was waiting for applause. And there was no applause. And people weren't even looking at him. And then he starts to stumble on his words. There, these are not, it's not coming from Mexico. It's like a child actor who grows up. And he was under the misapprehension that, that people liked him because he's some great actor, when really they only liked him because he's a child. And it's the same thing here. This guy was being used by the Democrats because when he was 16, he was useful to them. And they could put these cute little kids on TV and the kids were pushing all the Democrat gun talking points. But now, you know, he's got some whiskers. He's older. What is he, 19 or 20 now? It's just not, doesn't play as well. And so they don't care. This is what Democrats do. Democrats use people when they are useful to them, and then they chew them up and eat them up and spit them out. And I think it's, I don't think I'm being unfair here. I think this is part of the lib worldview that views people not as children of God, made in the image of likeness of God with dignity that should be respected as eternal beings, but as just kind of fodder, as just kind of things to be used for their own benefit. And those things, they talk about how much they love the people and power to the people, but really the people, they need to shut up and eat the bugs and stay in their little pods and they shouldn't own anything. And because us great Tesla owners, we need to be able to thrive and they need to keep their mouths quiet. And if there's too many of them and we don't like the way they look and we don't like where they're being born, we're just going to kill them. We're going to, and we're going to discourage them from being conceived in the first place. And they can't have their beliefs They're going to try to cling bitterly to their Second Amendment rights and their religious views, but it's ridiculous. They're just, they're nothing. They're nothing to me. They should be cast out into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's that's one way of viewing the world, a a view of the world that is divorced from community, from uh, honesty, from integrity, from the the truth, from objective reality. Uh, That's a vision of the world in which the truth means nothing, and even the fact checkers are just going to spin, 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 and lie, 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 so long as it gives them more power. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, Be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Joe Biden declares he has cancer, weirdly, while trying to explain why he's on the verge of declaring a climate emergency. Plus, the Europeans prepare for a cold and dreary winter. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listener.